Hello, it's bright and sunny outside. It's a gorgeous August day. Not too hot. Just about right for uh, having a walk about and taking some pictures. But I thought I would record the podcast. Get it in before the end of the month, as usual. And it's been a pretty good month. Um, not only for great photography. Uh, some be- been some really good photography links. So it's going to be a bit of a bumper, uh, bumper podcast this month. Um, I think there's five altogether, five links that I'm going to mention, and all of them are very good. Two of them are from the Magnum site, but separated by uh, about 70 years, something like that, 60 years. Um, I've also been doing a bit of blogging, uh, which I haven't done for a long time. Uh, this is on my main, the Richard Flint Photography uh, blog, which has been going through since 2007. And I decided and I would do uh, a bit of a review um, to mark an anniversary. More about that later. Um, but I've also been doing a few uh, posts on my main website. And the first one I'd like to talk about is called Thoughts on the Gutenberg Editor. Now, this is not really anything to do with photography, per se. Uh, It's to do with the editor in WordPress. Now, I'm talking about the software that you download from WordPress.org. I'm not talking about WordPress.com, although it will be coming to WordPress.com at some point later. Um, But anyway, there's... This new editor has been developed about over the last 18 months, but it's only sort of like really started to take off um, as a plugin, which people can try. It's a development plugin, but eventually the Gutenberg editor is going to replace the classic editor in WordPress, and it's causing a few ructions. Uh, from what I can see, it's roughly divided people down the middle. There's a lot of people who seem to love it, and there's a lot of people who seem to hate it. Um, but of course, we know that that can be a bit misleading. Um, I remember going up to, to Scotland back in 2014, and if you'd have believed all of the signs that were up at the side of the road, and on the side of houses, and in shop windows and things, uh, you would have thought that Scotland would have been independent uh, when the, the referendum vote came round. And um, it, it didn't. It went the other way. There was a, a bit more of a sli- silent majority. So whether the, the silent majority are just keeping quiet uh, about Gutenberg, uh, we'll have to see. But it looks as though it's going to be a long transition period. Um, there's an awful lot in WordPress, as you may know if you use it, uh, that's got to sort of like fit in and work. Uh, one of the great thing about uh, the software is, of course, the plugins that you can get, and all of those have got to play nicely with Gutenberg and to be fair a lot of them do already I mean um, I can't actually say that I've really had any problems uh, on the website with the Gutenberg editor which I've been running for about uh, how long have I been running about eight weeks so it's 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 sort of like it, it, it actually goes in quite nicely and I mean I'm using the, the Avada theme which uh, is quite sophisticated in a way there's quite a lot in it that could cause problems but anyway the theme is going to be eventually updated uh for gutenberg when it finally comes out and for the the block structure and 
mainly my my thoughts on Gutenberg on the Gutenberg editor is really an inf introductory piece. I will be adding other um, other thoughts as we go along, and like I say, it it could be even if it is introduced into WordPress five at the end of the year, I think it's going to be a good year or two for everything to settle down and people to start getting used to the new editor and kind of like forget about the old one. Um, I think it's going to be a long transitional period uh, for people to, to get their heads round and get used to it. But anyway, there's a few nice uh, links in there which sort of give some information on Gutenberg. There's a, a great video called Gutenberg and the WordPress of Tomorrow which delves into uh, what blocks can do Basically, the Gutenberg editor is a block editor. Um, if you've ever used uh, Medium, uh, then you'll know what I'm talking about. It's where you can create blocks, put text, put images, put widgets. You can put all sorts of things in there, move them around. And it's a great way of constructing a page. All of the last uh, four or five posts have been built using Gutenberg. And I must admit, I found it pretty good i mean i'm enjoying it i i'm one of those people who uh, after using wordpress for eight nine years believed that the classic editor was starting to look a bit dated and need needed a bit of a uh, an update i must admit gutenberg is a drastic update uh, in a good way but um like i say there's some people who don't like the change and You've only got to take a look at the WordPress-related news headlines to see that people are thinking about forking off the software so that they don't go down the Gutenberg road. There's all sorts of uh, discussions and things taking place online. So we'll have to see um, how things go. But if you haven't tried the Gutenberg editor, I would recommend that you, you have a look at it just to see what it's all about. Try it for a week, something like that. Try and get used to it. Um, and if not, there is always a classic editor plugin which you can use and which WordPress are apparently going to support for a couple of years at least. Uh, so it's an interesting period for WordPress and for the editor. It's going to be very interesting. If you are a photographer, I'd actually re recommend having a look at the Gutenberg editor because it does include quite a few features which made building galleries, adding pictures, moving things around in a post or a page. Uh, it's it's a great way of uh, doing that easily, getting rid of short codes as well because a lot of the plugins will have um, their own blocks. So for instance, on the post, uh, on the Gutenberg post that I've done, the thoughts on the Gutenberg editor, I've actually added uh, a little gallery of recent Instagram pics uh, and that was done using a block and WooCommerce and various of the different plugins are going to uh, add it as well the WooCommerce one is actually operating already and can be found on my uh, if you go down to the bottom where it says the, the footer where it says welcome to the website there's a little read more uh, link and if you click on there there's uh, kind of like a bit of an overview page and on the view overview page there's a WooCommerce uh, shop and that has been put in using WooCommerce's uh, block for Gutenberg so it's a great way of just putting things together rather quickly and 
I find it quite intuitive. A lot of people have said that they don't, and I think there's going to be quite a few changes before it gradually comes out um, later in the year, possibly maybe early 2019 if things get delayed. So we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. The test strip blog I had, uh, well, there's been a couple of posts. There's one a shot that I did in Hexham, which is just a sort of like street photo that I did while I was there. And there's also a from the archive uh, image for August, and that's a climbing photographer, which is basically a bit of a, a humorous picture to make up for the walking the dog uh, image that's um, posted I put on the site, which was a bit sort of like darker and was dealing with a few serious themes. And I thought I needed an image which is, you know, a bit more humorous. And it's one of the, the old guy who was from a coach tour, um, obviously saw a picture of the Highland cattle. Uh, I believe the one on the, the Highland cattle on the, the Highland cow on the right actually is a Highland bull. It's Hamish the Highland bull probably one of the most photographed animals on the planet um or he was at least until he died in 2014 um but it sort of like goes into you know why the highland cattle were there and also deals with the location and it was a picture taken on a mobile phone my old uh, 3gs iphone which i took some absolutely great pictures with um and was the phone that really did introduce me to, to mobile photography um, but the picture itself, like I say, is of a guy climbing up to get a picture and he's climbing up using a, a, a wire fence uh, and a gate as a kind of ladder. To be honest, I didn't really see very much that it was going to gain out of it, but you know, you just let people do these things. Uh, but the interesting thing is that you know, his walking stick was resting against the fence, so you know, he was obviously not totally great on his legs. Um, Obviously, needed stick for a bit of help, but it goes into you know calendar uh, where the picture was taken uh, at or near, I should say, um, and you know just sort of like one of those Highland experiences um, at, at a, a a rest point along the route when you're going up. Um, calendar is a fantastic location for stopping off if you're heading up to the Highlands because it's got plenty of places to stop. And, places to eat and have a look round, stretch your legs, get back in the car or on the motorbike or whatever it is and uh, continue on with the journey. So that is the From the Archive, the climbing photographer, which went on in the middle of the month, August the 17th, according to the date stamp. Um, rather like doing that post. Um, and the other blog post that I did, which I was rather pleased of and I mentioned a bit earlier was a review of my Billingham 550 which was a camera bag I got in 1996 while I was still a student absolutely huge camera bag they still make them still basically top of the line um, a very expensive bag uh, if you go to the Billingham website they want 600 pounds off of you but you can find them a lot cheaper than that and I certainly recommend trying to find a good second-hand one because you can save yourself a load of money and still get a great camera bag that's got years of life left in it um, and the reason why I did the 550 post is many many years ago uh, 10 years ago in fact I did uh, a post 
about my Billingham 445, which was the second camera bag uh, by Billingham that I got. Um, I've only got two. I've only got the 445 and the 550. Um, and the 445 um, review, um, it's a top uh, post on on the blog, and it's also mentioned uh, on the Billingham Wikipedia entry. It's referenced there. So it's kind of got around a bit, and it's had a whole lot of comments from other photographers and people have bought the bag on my recommendation, uh, which is, you know, very nice uh, compliment. So I thought to celebrate the fact, you know, that this great review post that I did 10 years ago uh, was 10 years old, I thought I would do something that I've wanted to do for ages, and that is cover the Billingham 550 that I've got, uh, because it is a, a great bag, um, very big, and if you're looking for a big bag that can carry a whole lot of gear, then I would certainly make sure you have a, have a look at that. So that link, um, that post, I should say, is on the Richard Flint Photography blog at richardflintphoto.blogspot.com. I will add a link to the, the link section. Right. Um, so that is about it for the posts and everything that went on the site. I was doing quite a bit of typing. I just decided that I wanted to get a, a few things out. The Gutenberg um, posts will still come as it gets improved. And as we go through the transition things, I'll, I will try and give my opinion about you know how it's improving and where else it can improve and the updates but i do think it's going to be a long process like like i said it's uh it's a major major change for the software and probably the most important post of the three um to be honest uh because it's going to alter the way that we we add work to our blogs and how we interact with websites and i genuinely genuinely do believe that it's a step in the right direction but we will have to see how things go. Right, onto the links. And it's like I say, there's there's five links this month. Um mainly because there were so many really good ones. But I'm going to start off with the Magnum site. Now the Magnum have got an absolutely brilliant uh website, which actually runs on WordPress, I might add. Uh which I noticed the other day. Um but they've started doing some really, really good uh, blog posts uh, from the archive and also uh, contemporary images as well. And I decided that I would pick uh, two posts which sort of like stood out. I'm going to start off with the contemporary one. This is Fishing for a Future After Brexit. And this is Martin Parr documents Cornwall's fishing community as part of an ongoing project on British identity. Now, Martin Parr is a photographer that um, sometimes I like his work and sometimes I don't. I'll put it as simple as that. Um, I must admit, I wasn't a big fan of his when I was a photography student, uh, his new Brighton work and things. It's kind of grown on me since, and I can see the virtue of it uh, and what he was trying to do. But at the time, I found it rather a bit condescending, I suppose. Um, 
but anyway, he when he does really good photography, he does really good photography, and this is uh, a classic example of him documenting Cornwall's fishing community in a in a brilliant way. The portraits and the images are are really very good. It's an interesting article as well because it delves into how people voted and one of the groups who were seen to be very keen on Brexit were the fishermen, uh, the UK's fishermen. And I think probably that was accurate for the most part, but it was interesting that some of the fishermen were definitely not uh, going to vote for, for Brexit. And they, they give the reasons in the article um, and there's also the other side as well, some of them, you know, talking about the reasons why they did. So it's a quite a, a nicely balanced um, piece and uh, the images are absolutely great. And it, it's it will be interesting to see how future um, this ongoing project on British identity will 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 continue. But if it's anything like, you know, this, I think it will be well worth a look. The second image is uh, Werner Bischoff, uh, who's a classic Magnum photographer. Um, you know, no doubt if you study photography, you'll have seen some of his work. But this is one image that I hadn't seen. And it was the boy from Roermond. Um, the tragic story behind the photographer's haunting, haunting portrait of a child a victim of war that became emblematic of the dire state of Europe post-World War Two, And it is a very haunting image, and basically the article gives a bit of background and then also sort of like updates the story. Um, so we found out, you know, what happened to the boy, and you know, sadly it isn't a, um, a happy ending, but um, it was an absolutely fantastic um, picture and the fact that it's given a bit more depth uh, and looked into again, it just, it all comes together. And really, really, it's, it's really, really an impressive uh, piece of work. And it's something that Magnum, fortunately, are doing more and more of. And I think it's, it's a good way of using their archive and educating people about photography and, uh, and the images. And hopefully, they're going to do um, a lot more of it, and it's nice that the way that their that their website is covering um, with the posts both contemporary photography and their archive work as well, because it's important that they have a, a good balance of the two. Um, it wouldn't be great if the agency just sort of like uh, stuck to using their old images. Um, the next one, bit of fun. Bit of motorsport and it's Le Mans, the 12 hour lawnmower racing pitches. This is on the Guardian website. Um, and I just love this because the photographer decided that he wasn't going to. Um, the photographer, by the way, is Tom Jenkins for the Guardian. And he decided that he wasn't going to sort of like be a bit patronising about the fact that it's lawnmowers racing in this endurance race. I mean, I'm sure some photographer will go along now and sort of like look down on it a bit. But he hasn't. He's treated it exactly um, for what it is, which is motorsport. 
and the images are absolutely fantastic i mean you could just imagine you know these being uh, race cars going around around a track but of course they're they're lawn mowers and they're all driven by enthusiastic nutters for the want of a better word uh lights blazing and uh wearing kit and drivers waiting to uh you know the the pits to to, to swap um pit teams refueling um there's a whole gamut of motorsport there absolutely fantastic series of images so if you like a bit of motorsport photography but you're looking for something a bit unusual uh Le Mans is the place to go the 12 hour lawnmower racing pitches and that's on the guardian website and again that link will be in the links section there's another one from the guardian website this is just a bit of a quickie if you like um ships and wrecks then the uk's best coastal photography in pictures uh this is photography competition run by the national maritime charity the shipwreck mariners society and the competition ended earlier this month and the shipwreck mariner society which is 179 years old basically have this competition um it's in its sixth year apparently and it's just a great collection of ship and nautical images all put together um, everything from piers to shipwrecks to uh, all, all sorts i mean there's a very nice picture actually by joanna davidson of uh, Hun Stanton hadn't actually noticed that before there's like a whole lot of it's called silent sentinels I don't know exactly what they are they're some sort of like markers I believe um, but yeah absolutely fantastic image and then dawn fishing by John Roberts is another one looks as though it was taken by a drone uh, but you can never you can never tell could be no I wouldn't have said it was a helicopter because it's a bit too close but you never know so Yes, if you like nautical photography and you're looking for some really, really good images, um, then take a look at Ships and Wrecks, the UK's best coastal photography in pictures. And the final link. Um, this is... I didn't know whether to include this, actually. Um, but I, I'm going to. And the reason why... I'm going to add this link is to a certain extent I agree with a lot of what this photographer's uh, talking about it's Kenneth Jerek who is a photographer for contact press images and he's done a, a little article and it's called Shutterbugs pixel peepers and others who annoy me and basically the the article is about those people who seem to favor the technical side over the image so we're talking about people who always hashtag you know like or whatever it's usually a high-end camera isn't it um and he sort of like delves into you know the i suppose the photographer's relationship with camera equipment and the technical side and technology and it's kind of like 
sums up, <coughs> excuse me, he sums up really about what the problem is for a lot of people. Um, let me be clear, he says, I don't care what camera system you use, Nikon, Canon, Sony, Fuji, I just don't care. Never have, never will. Um, and to be honest, I'm exactly the same. Um, he also goes on to say, um, talking about gear is the kind of stuff that drives me nuts. Sure, there's a time and place for it, but my dear photography friends, that time is not always, and the place is not everywhere on the entire internet. It kind of reminded me, there's a really great photographer that I follow on Instagram produces really good images um strangely enough sort of um in a bit of a, a martin parr style but he does have a tendency for every post the first hashtag that will be added to the is not descriptive about the photo it's descriptive about the gear that he's using it will always start with a certain camera manufacturer, I won't say who, but you can imagine it's one of the top end, um, expensive. And I always think it detracts from the image. I always think that it doesn't really do the photographer many favours at all because it's, I'll be sort of more, more impressed, you know, if the person had have used a, you know, cheap uh, camera, you know, a, a, a 1960s Russian camera or something like that to create these great images. Um, I suppose to a certain extent some of it's about him saying, you know, look at me. Um, maybe it's even a photographer trying to say, you know, look, I'm a proper photographer. I use, you know, this camera system, um, which not many people do. And that is absolutely true. But for me, uh, the image is everything that the person should be interested in who's viewing it. Um, I remember actually talking to some people many years ago when I was at college and they had a very similar sort of like attitude that it wasn't really the, the it was all about the making of the photo uh, from a technical point of view. And nothing, uh, and the actual, it was almost as though they weren't really interested in talking about the, the image itself. They were just interested in the making of and what gear they'd used. Uh, which was rather sad because some of the pictures, again, were, were really good. And they, rather than talking about, you know, what they were trying to capture, they decided that they were just going to do it down the route of, uh, you know, um, I use this, you know, almost as though it sort of like made them a better photographer which I don't know maybe it does but uh, to be honest um, the vast majority of photographers generally just show the image and let you decide um, from that and sadly photography over the last few years has well, I suppose, really, when you think about it, it always has been quite technically minded. I mean, when I was first starting out in the 1980s, if you uh, ever bought a copy of Amateur Photographer, um, there used to be masses and masses of adverts in the back for equipment. Uh, absolutely masses, and a lot of the, the... did have a tendency at the time to concentrate a lot on the gear. And they used to do 
various different bits and pieces about technique and things, but a lot of it was about the equipment that you were, you need this piece of gear, you need this lens, you need this bag. Um, and of course you don't, you know, a nice camera's great to have, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to take great pictures with it and that comes down to you. Which is probably really what this article is talking about. Um, it's not about the gear, it's about you. Uh, but a lot of people concentrate on the gear and they always concentrate on the gear. They, you know, mentioning it every now and again is one thing, mentioning it every time is completely a different thing. So anyway, that's Kenneth Jarek, uh, Shutterbug, Pixel Peepers and others who annoy me. And I must admit, um, they do kind of like get a bit on your wick. So it's uh, an interesting article. And the images, I mean, even if you're not interested in the article, I'll certainly recommend you go along there um, to have a look at Kenneth Cowboy images. Uh, because there's some superb images taken at a, uh, a rodeo. Um, and they're, you know, they're up close and personal and really rather good. So that is all of the links. Next month, I'm hoping to have a bit of a special podcast out at Hadrian's Wall in Northumberland. I'm going to be trying to capture a photo that I wanted to do for ages. And it's of a place called Sycamore Gap. Some of you may be familiar with it. Um... But I'll be heading through there and I'll record a bit of the podcast, maybe even all of the podcasts there. So that's coming next month. Uh, hopefully the weather will be good for me doing that. Um, and hopefully I'll be able to get the gap uh, without a lot of people there. I might have to turn up early for that. But it's going to be fun trying anyway. So until next month's podcast, thank you very much for downloading and I'll see you all next month.